0: Welcome to the JCM podcast. I'm Jessica Cox and
1: I'm Carissa Mason. <laughs> um, so today we're going to be talking about all things IBS. So obviously Jess and I at the clinic here predominantly um, deal with digestive issues so that's I guess the what we see a lot of but yeah so mm-hmm. we'll talk about that um the symptoms that are associated the difference between IBS and IBD so for people who don't know IBS irritable yeah, sure. bowel syndrome mm-hmm. um, irrit- um inflammatory bowel disease so two yep. very different areas but both obviously relating to the GI tract yeah fabulous so should we start Let's with,
0: dive, with... On we
1: in. dive on in Jess. <laughs> please tell us what IBS is in your own words
0: <laughs> it's such an interesting one because I think when you and I hear The word IBS, we often, or I guess the acronym IBS, we're often like, okay, right, it's, as you said, very much an umbrella. So irritable bowel syndrome is obviously what it stands for, but in our terms, it's often about, okay, why is that bowel irritated? So from, I guess, a diagnostic point of view, irritable bowel, there's a collection of symptoms that will be looked at by a gastroenterologist or even a GP, alternating bowel habits within Mm -hmm. you know a certain time frame experiencing diarrhea constipation etc they'll look at the stress element but for us as soon as we have someone come in with ibs to us it's not a diagnostic as such we see it as a symptom would you say yeah
1: absolutely it's like okay you've got ibs now let's actually find out what's going on inside your bowel yes or your Let's start at the top and we'll go through a list of things we commonly see. So um, starting with mouth, um, I I even even include things um, like oral thrush, to be honest. So any sort of bacterial imbalance in the mouth um, really, to me, falls in the IBS category because that's a pretty strong indicator that other things are going on. So bad breath being another one. I was going to say that one. Yeah, reflux. I wanted to
0: say halitosis because it sounded so much cooler. I thought
1: that and I'm just like, don't throw in the big (laughs) (laughs) words. Nerd. <laughs> um reflux and heartburn. Yeah, definitely. Burping.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, all those which is sort of moving down into the stomach.
1: Indigestion. Yep. So all those sorts of symptoms from there.
0: Definitely. Do you want to
1: follow and on then the middle part?
0: <laughs> moving on down. <laughs> so then we have a lot of those classic ones like the bloating, the cramping. Gas. The pain, the gas, then yeah, moving down even further. Yep. <laughs> the gas expulsion. <laughs> but the gas, of course, sometimes people don't feel like it's moving, like they're not getting mm. like the increase farting as such. They're getting like just that hard gas in their tummy mm. and feeling like it's not passing. So yep. there can be that, but then there can be like just lots of wind production. Yep. It can be really like smelly and yeah. odorous. I mean, everyone gets, you know, if you Parts or so a day, but I don't know what the average is.
1: Well, Do I think you? it depends on what you read. Yeah. Um, I made a mistake once, <laughs> this is way before I studied nutrition, and I said to my, I was reading, I think it might have been a zoo magazine or something, and I said, <laughs> Zoo. <laughs> it's so classy. <laughs> but they were talking about um, flatulence and what's common. I think the statistic that they gave was. Um, something like 20 plus. Yeah, that's what,
0: it's pretty high. I
1: don't actually, now that I understand and know what I know, yeah. I don't actually agree with you, Zoom magazine. You've got it <laughs>
0: wrong. <laughs> I know, I've heard that too. I swear I've heard around it at 20 mark. Yeah. And I'll, then you hear it, you're like, hmm. You just instantly think, okay, when I get up in the morning, in the shower, <laughs> like throughout the day, <laughs> you know, little sneaky yeah. ones walking around. Yeah,
1: that's a lot of farting. I think, <laughs> like, I honestly do. And I think the worst I think what that gave um, my partner permission was, well, this is healthy. And now in retrospect, I'm like, I actually don't think it should be that much. But anyway, so I do ask a lot of my clients, though, I guess the difference, um, is it just wind or is there a smell associated to Because I think that can be quite indicative of two different types of things. Yeah, really
0: odorous and... yeah, and even like people say that like, Well look, we're talking about the gut, so get <laughs> ready people. Deal with but it. <laughs> like hot as well, like they'll yeah. they'll feel like it's really um like literally yeah, like air. burning. Yeah. yeah, and quite acidic as mm-hmm. such. Which then brings us to the bowels themselves. So yeah. other signs there is is that classic alternating bowels with mm-hmm. diarrhea, constipation. But again for us like if there's ongoing diarrhea without constipation or if there's constipation without yeah, diarrhea, diarrhea, it's still a bowel concern. There's still something Irritating in yep. um, sort of inverted commas the bowel. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I suppose even while we're on that topic, I know I've had um, clients that maybe not many other IBS symptoms or mm. things going on, but it's normal for them not to have a bowel motion for three to mm. four, sometimes even longer. Yeah. Um,
0: can so I just line. say
1: that's not normal? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> that one as well. Exactly. So any other symptoms we've sort of missed? Gurgling bowel hyperactivity is yes. another one. So yeah grinding yeah lots of noise all those sorts of things yeah for sure that's definitely something that you Mm. shouldn't be and
0: look i think stress as well like Mm. obviously stress stress is tied in with ibs but i usually find in most cases that the stress is exacerbating the underlying problem yeah sometimes it can just be stress induced like i'm sure you've seen that and i've Mm. seen that we're constantly questioning that with some of our clients but I think stress generally is like an exacerbator. Yep, definitely.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like there's something going on. Is stress the one that actually drives the condition home? Sometimes, yes. Like you look at mm. stress, say a stressful life event and maybe that person pre-stressful life event has always had maybe a tiny bit of what they would say IBS or something yep. that hasn't been that chronic and definitely yep. more manageable and then something um, something happens. and. Yep then all of a sudden the IBS symptoms are completely out of control. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, definitely I agree. It's usually stresses and exacerbate them more so than an actual cause per se.
0: Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. So I guess then it's coming into, all right, well, what are the causes? Because people get diagnosed with IBS or they, I guess they even come in and see us with the bowel concerns or the digestive concerns and it's like, why? Why, 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 why? And when you get given the diagnosis of IBS by... A doctor or a gastroenterologist, it's often like, okay, just go out there and live with it, which for us is really frustrating because often we find that there's things that you can do to yes, help. Heaps,
1: heaps. So it, as
0: we said, it's okay. Why? Why is that bowel irritated? Thanks, email. It's a nice big noise.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so there's very much a list I would say um, it, in regards to reasons why.
1: And sometimes it's a combination of a couple of these things. It's yep. not always okay. Well, you've got this. I do definitely find with um, sometimes it's like an, like the good old onion analogy. Sometimes. Yes,
0: <laughs> love it. Love an onion analogy.
1: I think it's used almost as much as a bucket
0: analogy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a jar of rocks and sand. No, so, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's, I'll tell you after. <laughs> so, take me, take me the whole podcast to get through the story. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so let's start. I guess we, we just and I, have made a little list here of just the most common ones we see, yep. because there's there's heaps more. So we'll start with, um, so things that cause IBS. So food intolerances. Yep. Bang.
0: Bang. Straight Boom. up. Boom. Done. In-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Inflammation in the gut, bloating, gas, constipation, and/or diarrhea. Yep. Reflux, heartburn.
0: Pretty much. Pretty much all of those symptoms we listed, mm-hmm. isn't it? That, it, and yeah. then obviously there's more systemics signs. But I guess if we're talking about Just the bowel itself or digestion itself. Food intolerances are probably one of the biggest ones. And it's not always just one food. It can be
1: a combination.
0: Mm. And the problem is that the more reactive the gut gets, the more inflamed, often the intolerances can creep up and up, which is more about um, a more complex picture as far as treatment goes. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then so following on from food intolerances, we see a lot of... Um, So microbial imbalances, I suppose, Mm -hmm. is a little sub-umbrella under the IBS umbrella and then we can break them off. So we've obviously got um, yeast imbalances and fungal imbalances, Mm -hmm. um, intestinal bowel, large intestinal bowel overgrowth or dysbiosis, any, any, all those style things.
0: Yeah. And just on a sub-note there, um, I heard the term the other day, which I thought was awesome insufficiency dysbiosis. Oh, and I'm like, oh, I love it. I'm stealing it. Oh. In regards to with, I guess, the testing that we use and seeing results where you there's not actually an overgrowth of bacteria, but you're having a very much an undergrowth. Ah, actually, so, I, I think
1: yeah, I just didn't hear that, but I was yeah. listening to another a podcast where they were talking about that as well. I was yeah, like, oh, that just makes so much sense as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. So if you've got that underlying imbalance hmm. in regards to like not enough of the right bacteria, then like that's you know dysbiotic as, as such. Well, yeah, yeah. Just thought was kind of cool. Very
1: cool. Yeah. Um. So. What do we say? And we said then small in, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Yep.
0: And you miss parasites oh, and as par- well. Yeah, <laughs> Don't forget the parasites. <laughs> <laughs>
1: parasites. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got parasites, my, any sort of microbial imbalance, so bacterial, yep. fungal, over or undergrowth. Yep. Um, let's. Viruses are another one, and I know I've yeah, gone on true. about this a lot, but just the impact of viruses on the immune system and latent viruses mm-hmm. on the microbe, like the Microbiota of our gut, like they really, really knock it about. So quite a common thing. I know. I always ask is, have you had a virus that seriously affected you, or a food? I don't know. You do this as well, but food poisoning or an Mm. episode in your life where your gut was just so badly affected by something. Mm. Would you say it's exogenous and becomes endogenous? Yeah, yeah. Something like that that's just impacted you and you haven't recovered from that. And they
0: might even not think about it as a gut response. It might be like. Yeah, like a glandular Mm -hmm. or something along those lines, glandular fever. And they'll say, oh, I've never actually, you know, I've never really felt that well since then. Yeah. So it's that sort of latent viral assault on the body that can become
1: problematic.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh And then it's moving up into the small intestinal tract Mm. so it's the bacterial overgrowth that can happen there as well which is SIBO um so it's that migration of bacteria where they basically shouldn't be so that's another bacterial concern that needs to be looked at and another form of diagnostic testing and um that's realistically comes down to with your practitioner um going through and looking at different sorts of symptoms and for us it's about what are the most sort of specific symptoms that point to the lower bowel or small intestines sometimes we we, to be honest it's a lot of a mix of the two isn't it it's not so clean cut um so definitely yeah the the SIBO and the lower bowel
1: together yeah Another one that I thought is particularly worth mentioning for people is H. pylori, um, proton pump inhibitor use and antacid use. So we're going back up to the mouth and stomach, I guess, here now. But I think a lot of people... Really um, underestimate long term impacts of using just mainstream antacids, like yep. ones you can buy, so your quickies. Like how common is it? We t- I think we talked about this one day that when we were little, we just remember our dads having a pie and then yes. a quickie and a quickies. Yep. And you know, you think <laughs> <laughs> a
0: pie and a quickie, then <laughs> a
1: quickie. <laughs> yeah, go, mum. <mom. laughs> <laughs> yeah, so wrong. Um, but obviously. I just don't think there's much information around that, obviously. And then you have your prescribed ones, so your Nexium mm. um, and whatever whatever else. I just know that's the most common one. Yep. But the effect that they have on stomach our hydrochloric acid production, stomp- and our mm. stomach acid and enzymes, all those, and then the potential overgrowth that can actually start occurring from those. So yeah, sometimes that usually. doesn't necessarily affect the large bowel first. We're actually starting from yep. the opposite end yeah
0: (laughs) for sure which can often then lead to to SIBO SIBO. um or as you said things like H. pylori as well which is um another form of testing that can be done too so Yeah. yeah and as we said at the start it can often be a mix of all of these so you have that overgrowth going on within the gut and then because of that inflammation and reactivity you're seeing the food intolerances start to become an issue so it's all it's all very yeah um interwoven isn't it so is and then obviously
1: like you have always some food intolerances and you throw some stress into that and then the immune system's lowered someone picks up a virus which gives way to a bacterial overgrowth or fungal overgrowth of some kind like it's just Yep. it's sometimes just a matter of mapping it out and going well this is probably where it started and then this part became involved and this part became involved okay mm-hmm. in so now we start working with that whole picture and
0: yeah for sure so for does, sure.
1: does that kind of cover that and lead us in Oh, chronic antibiotic use I wrote yes. down as well Yeah. so at any stage of your life this alters your gut microbiota sometimes Irreparably. Is that the right word? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it can be a, a really intense one, particularly as us for us as practitioners to work with.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's um it's often a, a prelude to a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Definitely when it's been used, as you said, like multiple times. A lot of the time we'll get clients in that have had antibiotic use in their younger years, like yep. they've had a lot of respiratory issues when yep. they've been younger and they've been used there or other for, so, sorts of viral concerns where yeah. unfortunately a lot of antibiotics have been used yep um and it's just it's it's like the, per- <laughs> the perfect picture to us isn't it yeah. that scenario where you see that and then you see a couple of years later the viral assault because yep. their system being their just immune system within their guts smash. being more you know vulnerable and then it's like the food intolerances it's like oh i can't eat foods like i used yeah. to so this is a thing a lot of these things do really flow one from the other yeah you know and i know you mentioned on um about gut inflammation as well but you know again that's such a i guess on its own an umbrella for so many other yeah. underlying factors isn't Almost it a
1: symptom of yeah,
0: that's it. I mean you can be dealing with things like I guess Crohn's and ulcerative colitis and so forth, but yep. I guess, you know, that's that's going down a different path. I think generally if you've particularly if you've been to GP gastroenterologist and you've been diagnosed with IBS, usually those have been ruled out. Yeah. Which
1: in fairness is a kind of a good thing. Yeah, it's, it, great, for it's great for us. It's great for us because I know sometimes you do we do have clients come in and they are really chronic and you do think like oh my doctors recommended I go and get a colonoscopy or a, and a um,
0: endoscopy,
1: and you, and they're like, should I should I waste my time doing that? And I'm sometimes I just think, you know what? Yes, definitely, yeah. because it rules out worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, which but, is great,
0: particularly if it's really chronic, like it's you, chronic. you know, there's a lot of blood and like as far as mucus. Your stools go, you're passing lots of mucus and blood and. There's, like, very chronic pain and so forth. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to get that stuff looked at. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And it's amazing, too, even just obviously ruling out, like, the whole inflammatory bowel disease picture. But sometimes just the removal of a few polyps when they're up there. Yeah, yeah. Like, that has marked improvements for a lot of people because you think just about that low-grade inflammation they're causing as well. So there's a few there's definitely plus side or there's obviously plus sides to ruling out yeah
0: and gallbladder and pancreas like making sure those other organs are functioning properly i think sometimes people kind of disregard maybe signs of different sorts of pain and think that it's just you know oh it's just some bloating or it's just some cramping from some food i ate and You know, often there can be other Mm. issues going on there. So I think as much as we're we're about, like, getting in and treating the cause and doing what we do with rebuilding the gut, you have to be also mindful, very mindful and go in with your eyes open, whether you're a practitioner or (laughs) whether you're actually the person experiencing the problems. Like, don't sort of shut off completely from that type of medicine that is yeah. important to just make sure there's nothing yep. going on like as from a function
1: point of view. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yep. Cool. So um, what can be done? Ooh,
1: where do we start? Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> <coughs> testing? Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Testing
0: is probably one of the biggest tools for us. Yeah. So we would start with doing a good thorough case taking and finding out what we think are the most important areas for testing yeah. because you can you can go crazy with testing and spend a lot of cash so yeah. basically you want to start where it's the most appropriate spot for yeah. most people
1: yeah most relevant based on I guess what they've the clients have told us yeah sometimes testing's not always necessary sometimes mm-hmm. you can people come in and they're like I want to get testing done and it's just like well to be honest at this stage I don't know how necessary it is let's yeah. try this for a month or try that yeah. for a month like obviously if it's just for their own personal you know knowledge then yeah. there's nothing wrong with that like obviously yeah. by all means go for it but if it's a monetary thing and sometimes there's a lot of other avenues we can do before testing yeah but, i agree but then sometimes testing straight up is the best yeah. way to go as well
0: and as for us as practitioners often someone will walk in and it's just plain as day what the issue yeah. is Like we really don't see the need to drop 300 dollars on a test or yeah. 500 dollars on a test when straight it's away. obvious that we can make certain changes and we'll probably see the benefits. Yeah, so,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, often first off, well, I think even with that question, whether there's testing involved or not, because there's a lay time and waiting for results, yeah. we always change their diet straight up. Yeah. Well, we tell them to change their diet after the test, yeah, <laughs> to be yeah, honest. Yeah. As soon as you've collected your specimens, this is what you're doing. Yeah. Let's get you started. Yeah. So, Generally, there would be those dietary changes, which for us are about an anti-inflammatory diet. And look, that depends on, again, on the person, doesn't it? I know we've talked previously about things like gluten and so forth. So, you know, there might be some things we'd pull out of the diet um, and also some foods we'd include to really ensure that their gastrointestinal tract is just having beautiful, nourishing um, nutrients for reducing that inflammatory response. Yeah. So... There would be that. And then we may use supplements while we're even waiting on test yeah. results. So we might do a little bit of anti inflammatory soothing work um, just to sort of prime the prime gut. The ready? Gut
1: build, him, build him up.
0: <laughs> That's it. Get him ready. But um, as you were saying, sometimes. It is a matter of just doing, yeah, the dietary changes and a particular type of supplement regime. Yeah. Sometimes not even supplements. It might d- just be diet. I think,
1: yeah, it mm. is. Like, I know even some clients, depending on – it de- depends on what they've been through as well before mm. they walk through our door. Like, I know – obviously, we've talked about this before. But we, You do have the clients that have seen – nutritionists, naturopaths, Mm. specialists, GPs, and they've spent a bucket load already. And they've been given every supplement under the sun. Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's just about, okay, well, let's prioritise what's absolutely necessary now. Make a few dietary changes. I really think this test would be helpful to get us started, which nine times out of ten I find most people are happy with that. And let's just start with that. And until we actually have some more concrete answers, let's not spend money on supplements until we absolutely mm-hmm. and so they're probably a lot of I find it's not a lot of them but some people are just sick of being pill buckets yeah like, <laughs> <Yep>, exactly <laughs> you know like, so true it just gets to the stage where it start you can see in some people it's worn them down yeah like, physically yep. and mentally they're just kind of done yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and if you've been doing that and following that route for so long, yeah, long or absolutely. a certain amount of time and obviously something's not working so yep need to look at that
1: and let's make sure when we do do it this time it's the right things for the right reasons based on the right results. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 You said it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah,
0: we will it's it's very much a combination, isn't it? Of the right diet for you that's been really bio-individualized to suit whatever needs are there. It's about potential supplementation depending on test results or um, and or just symptoms. symptoms. Yep. that need to be addressed um, and then with the testing itself of course as we mentioned earlier it might be the stool testing it might be SIBO testing it might be food intolerance testing gluten sensitivity it might be, testing exactly <laughs> it might be sending you to your GP to get which is often the case too just an arrayable of your general blood stun yep. um, there's a whole lot of tests we will do but and I guess again for us even though we're very careful with testing and not just being willy nilly about it We also want to get to the core of the issue as quickly and as effectively Mm, as we can for people. So, you know, take the guesswork out of it. Um, And I think definitely for us, the stool testing is probably the one that we often come back to for that reason because it's just like – They've opened up your gut and just allowed us to look in and yeah. we're just like, fabulous. Now, now I can see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now I can, know. Now I can see a large bowel anyway.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think really, yeah, they would be the major ways we would go about the treatment process for yeah. IBS. Have I left anything out right. or have we?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, we talked about, um, yeah, individualizing the diets, supplements. Yeah. I think it's important too to check in. Like, obviously, we do try and keep our clients to a three to four week Mm -hmm. follow up. Yeah. I know sometimes that does get blown out, and I find that's sort of when we people go off the deep end a little bit yeah like even if you feel like you're going well with your treatment it is important to come in and check in with us every three to four weeks until you got the education and the knowledge base behind you to really be able to identify your own symptoms and uh-huh. how to deal with them and how to treat them which ultimately is what we want for our clients we yes yeah we want to hold your hand until you're ready to fly the coop and yes exactly come back in and check in with us or if something else happens then we deal with that as it happens but yeah yeah, obviously seeing it through to the end is really important and understanding that it's not a yeah. magic pill, here you go, you're fixed, yeah. good, goodbye IBS. It's learning about your gut, how your gut works, what's going on with your gut, what's got you to this stage, yeah. how to now treat it, manage it, get it better and manage any potential flare-ups or yeah. anything that happens in the future. So it is it is a bit of a process, but it's a, a good one and an exciting one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I think that's really important, really, really important yeah. process because you know, we talk about those initial appointments and the treatment and so forth around that. But it's, it's an ongoing process. And yes, that acute stage is something that we deal with relatively quickly for most people and get you feeling well. Yeah. But it's also about maintaining that. And it's about the education that you get with that process. Like if you don't know how, to look after yourself long term and the right foods for you and, and triggers yeah and what to do like you know you go out there into just the big wide world yeah. and there's stress there's getting sick you know you travel you pick up a bug you yeah get a virus you get a dose
1: of food poisoning yes. like there's so many things that are out yeah. of. that's what i said a lot of my clients there's so many things you can't control that will impact your gut yeah so the more you know about your gut how it functions what its weaknesses are like yeah. if you know you're a stress head yeah and stress is your trigger then when you for unforeseen circumstances end up in a very stressful situation whether it be a relationship breakdown job stressful job death of a family member all these things mm-hmm. your gut is going to be the thing that struggles and you need to have that knowledge base and that understanding of your gut and how to look after it at that time when it's yep. most crucial and i guess that's something we really like to people oh, to go so away true. with like and, and and it's an ongoing thing like we're yep. s- you and i are still looking after yeah. we will be till the day we die <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> you know and it is and there are things like obviously yeah we'll talk about that now facebook live today but there are things that out of your control sometimes yep. with your gut and it is about then getting back mm. into it looking after it retesting sometimes that's yes. necessary yep. and going okay well 10 years ago my gut was like this what's it like now yeah what's impacting it now and then dealing with that and managing that mm. and building it back up again and going come on little guy i'm looking <laughs> after you <laughs>
0: well it's true it's an ever-changing environment Absolutely. i think sometimes people forget that yeah but yeah look i one of the most rewarding things in clinic, I think, is when clients come in and something's happened and they've just known what to do. So yeah. they'll come in and they'll be like, "Oh, I had this stressful event, or I had this happen, so I just did this with my diet, and I had some of this in the cupboard, so I just took this." And I'm like, "You're awesome!" Yeah. Like honestly, you're so "And that's Little great!" <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the most fantastic piece of information yeah. to get from your clients. Yeah. Like you want that. Then that I think that's what drives us with things like IBS too is that we really want people to be able to get to a point where
1: yeah really they they don't really yeah
0: you don't really need that support anymore but also you don't really feel like you have to wear the IBS hat yeah as well like yeah. you're kind of just like well this is my gut and this is what's good for me may not be good for the next person
1: absolutely not um, <laughs> but I
0: just know what I need to do and that's yeah. my life and see you later. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah and because let's be honest like it, in the perfect world we could all eat everything we wanted whenever yeah. we wanted deal with stress do it but we're not designed that way every we all have our our breaking points our triggers our weaknesses like yep. you and I both know mostly what ours are so mm-hmm. I mean, look, you look after yourself accordingly yeah and you make that decision for yourself and your own health yeah I think that's important too like definitely yeah pretty passionate about that one yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, I think that's pretty much everything that we've covered. Is there anything else that you wanted to tell our lovely listeners? I don't think
1: so. No? IBS over and out. Yes.
0: (laughs) As always, if you have any questions or comments, just let us know. Mm -hmm. Just leave a comment. Here or even pop over to our social media feeds and if you've got any suggestions for topics you'd like us to talk about, we'd yes. love to hear Let's them. Throw
1: them at us. So we
0: can talk about anything.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um for now, um, see you later talk and chat next time. time.
1: Okay, bye. Bye.